0: Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise for spiritual blessings in Christ, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Let us pray. Father, I want to thank you that you are an amazing God. And that you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, for us, who died willingly on the cross for us. Father, I pray that uh, you will open our hearts and our ears this morning, that we will be able to hear what you have to say to us, through your Word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let me uh, introduce myself. Uh, my name is Gilles, um, quite an unusual name. Um, I'm original from Belgium. And I live and work now in the UK for the last 12 years. Um, I started in the UK in Farnham as a youth worker. And then a couple of years ago in 2019, we were called to come to Hollywood. I remember writing my friends in uh, Belgium, titling the email, Gilles goes to Hollywood. And had lots of responses straight away back from, can we come and visit? And I said, of course you can, but we are in South Birmingham, (laughs) not across the Atlantic. And I didn't hear anything back from them. I was thinking, oh, what's happened? Um, And so I'm assistant pastor at the church. And um, as you probably all know, we've been through a challenging time um, lately. But lately I hear a lot of people saying, my life is going back to normal. You can see it all around you. Life has become a bit more normal again. But I sometimes wonder what they mean. Is it that life has become mundane again? Settled into routine again? We have been conditioned to expect the ordinary, the routine. Indeed, life seems to be filled with the routine. And the possibility of some extremely good things happening to us seems remote. Sadly, we not only can't believe it when it does happen, we can't believe it may happen. Unfortunately, what is so true in the material realm is also true in the spiritual realm. Many of us have trouble believing in the extravagant goodness of God towards us personally. The idea that God would lavish extravagant blessings on us is something we find hard sometimes to believe. And it seems that we have been conditioned to think of ourselves as unworthy creatures. We are not good enough, or holy enough, or sincere enough to get the really good things from God. And that is our thinking. Who are we to presume upon the goodness of God? But the fact remains that all of us have a rich and extravagant inheritance in Christ. In fact, when we are told just how rich is that inheritance, we easily found ourselves saying, I can't believe it. We may not be able to believe it, but it is true. And this is one of the main themes of the book of Ephesians. It reveals to us the extreme magnitude of God's blessings to us in Christ. It tells us who we are and how we can live. And it is powerful. One amazing truth is that our inheritance in Christ is given to us freely. There is nothing we can do to earn it or to deserve it. We don't have to work for it. We don't have to earn our spiritual inheritance. We don't have to work hard and earn it or be clever or be good or be deserving. All we have to do is be in Christ. How to be in Christ is a subject of the first three chapters of Ephesians. Now let me ask you an important question. Do you really know who you are in Christ? How do you see yourself as a Christian? Do you see yourself as powerful? Or do you see yourself as important? Do you understand the true extent of what it means to have the Son of God living inside of you. Do you hold your head up high because of your relationship in Christ? Or are you sometimes embarrassed? Do you see yourself in wrecks or in riches? And, and being a pastor, it's, it's quite easy to, to bridge that gap with people when you meet them. Because the first question they ask, what do you do? And I said, I'm a pastor of a church. And suddenly some people take a step back and think, Ooh, I need to be a bit careful here. Jesus said, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Sometimes we emphasize the fact that the truth has the power to make us free. Truth is truth whether you believe it or not. And truth is truth whether you know it or not. But let me approach this from a different perspective. There are times when we can never be free unless we know the truth. You see, if you do not know the truth, you may be acting on a lie. If you act on the basis of an untruth, then the untruth becomes the reality for you. Don't shortchange yourself by believing you are less than God says you are. What a shame it would be to believe you are a pauper when you are really a prince. In the first six verses of Ephesians, we will discover at least three characteristics of who we are in Christ. And the first one is, in Christ we are significant. Everyone in life is striving for significance. We place great value on on possessions, on power and position. Ask people to tell you about themselves and you will find out what they value, what gives them the significance. They will tell you what they do for a living, if that is an important part of their significance. They will tell you where they work, they will tell you about their children. People strive after acceptance and they strive after a sense of significance in this life. The truth regarding our significance is found here in an opening passage to Ephesians. We are significance because we are saints. As Paul opens this letter to the church, he addresses this to the saints or to the holy people. And this is a good biblical term commonly applied to all believers. In fact, in some ancient manuscripts, the, the designation at, at, Ephesus, at Ephesus is not found at the beginning of this letter. Because of that, some believe that this was a general letter from Paul to be circulated among all the churches. In any case, Christians are commonly referred to as saints. This comes from the Greek word hagios, which literally means holy. Holy. To be a saint in the New Testament, sense of the word is to be a, a holy one, and that's who we are in Christ. Don't be misled by the mistaken idea that sainthood is something which can only be conferred upon certain dead people, by some ecclesiastical body, according to God's word, all believers are already saints. For God's perspective, we are saints. Not because of who men say we are, but because of what Christ did for us. We are not holy because of our own good works or righteousness. The Bible tells us that all our righteous deeds are like a filthy garment in Isaiah 64 verse 6. We are righteous because Jesus died on the cross so that he could give us his righteousness. We read in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, He God made in Christ, who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We are now the righteousness of God in Christ. What an amazing statement. When Christ died on the cross, he paid the penalty for our sin. He died there to put to death our old self. But he not only died to forgive us, he died to enable us to receive his life. As we surrender to him, he gives us his life in exchange for ours. He becomes our life. We live by his life. He is in us and we are in him. Now we live from this new level of life. His righteousness is made ours. When God looks at us, he sees us in Christ. The truth is that we are significant in Christ. In Christ we have significance. We must begin to realise our righteousness in Christ. And that will only come as we begin to see ourselves as in Christ. One scholar wrote that the heart of Paul's message is union with Christ. Christ. 164 times we find the expression in Christ, in the Lord, or in him, in Paul's letters. This union with Christ is more stressed by Paul than any other doctrine or concept. More than justifications, than sanctification or reconciliation. Unity of being in Christ unlocks for us, 24th century readers, the very soul of Paul. Here is where we found the importance of knowing the truth. Unless we know our true position in Christ, we will never begin to live from that position. In Colossians 3, verse 1 to 4, our position is described, If then you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above and not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life is revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. Our position is as those who are hidden with Christ in God. We are now seated in heavenly places in Christ. That is our position. And we are saints because of our position in Him. We are significant because of our position in Him. What we must begin to see by faith is that our significance comes not from the three P's, the possessions, the power and the positions. Rather, who we really are is people who have intimacy with God. It has been said that some people can't get saved because they won't accept their sinnership. And that some Christians can't walk in victory because they won't accept their sainthood. In Christ, we are significant. In Christ, we are saints. You have his permission to live like a saint. So we find right here in the intro to the book of Ephesians that we are significant because of our status before God as a result of Jesus' work. But we learn much more from this letter from Paul. We also learn that the second point in Christ we are sufficient. God has given us sufficiency in Christ. Look closer at this jewel of a verse. It is not that he will bless us. He has blessed us. It's a done deal. And what has he blessed us with? He has not just given us a blessing. He has given us a spiritual blessing. But look further. He has not just given us spiritual blessing. He has given us every spiritual blessing. And finally, we are told that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. What a promise. It's really more than a promise. It's a current reality. These blessings or benefits are spiritual in two ways. First, they come true and are experienced through the Holy Spirit. Secondly, they are spiritual, not physical. Physical. In the next verses, 4 to 14, Paul mentions some of these blessings. Though he certainly doesn't give an exhaustive list. Christians probably enjoy more spiritual blessings than we can ever imagine. If you do not know this truth, you will never walk in it. In Christ we have sufficiency. Because we have every spiritual blessing in Christ. And so we must learn to rely on our resources in Jesus. In Christ we are rich. The riches of Christ have already been deposited into our account. We must now begin to draw upon those riches. It would be the same if someone would make an anonymous and secret deposit into your current account. If you did not know about the existence of that deposit, you would never be able to draw upon it. But when you came into the knowledge of that truth, then you would immediately have access to that resource. This is precisely what the word of God is saying to us. You you may choose not to believe it and live in spiritual poverty, or you may choose to draw upon your resources in Jesus. Write a check on this account. See if it doesn't clear. It will not bounce. By not cashing in on the cheque God has written us, we fail to acknowledge his gift. Sometimes we fail to acknowledge the one who has blessed us. To illustrate how we often fail to give God the thanks he deserves, Chuck Swindoll told the following story of a man he visited in a dismal veterans' hospital. <clears throat> and he says this, the day I arrived to visit... I saw a touching scene. This man had a young son and during his confinement in the hospital, he he had made a little wooden truck for his boy. And since the boy was not allowed to go into the ward and visit his father, an orderly had brought the gift down to the child who was waiting in front of the hospital with his mum. The father was looking out of the fifth floor window, watching his son unwrap the gift. The little boy opened the package and his eyes got white when he saw the wonderful little truck. He hugged it to his chest. Meanwhile, the the father was walking back and forth, waving his arms from behind the window pane, trying to get his son's attention. The little boy put the truck down and reached up and hugged the orderly and thanked him for the truck. And all the while, the frustrated father was going through these dramatic gestures, trying to say, it's me, son. I made the truck for you. I gave that to you. Look up here. I could almost read his lips. Finally, the mother and the orderly turned the boy's attention up to the fifth floor window. It was then the boy cried, Daddy. Oh, thank you. I miss you, Daddy. Come home, Daddy. Thank you for my truck. And the father stood in the window with tears pouring down his cheeks. How much are we sometimes like this child? In Christ we are already sufficient. For everything he calls us to be, we have all we need to live for Christ and to serve him. We are spiritually wealthy beyond belief. Begin to live in that knowledge. The third point, the last point, is in Christ we are secure. We are secure because of the spiritual blessings of being chosen. In verse 4, we are told that God chose us in Christ. In Jeremiah 1 verse 5 tells us that God knew us before, before he formed us in the womb. He chose us who are today Christians to be his before Adam and Eve ever took a step on this planet. We are secure because we are predestined to be adopted children through Christ. The Greek word here is prorhesus. Is, uh, and it can be translated as, as foreordained or more literally as marked out beforehand. It is simply another word that expresses the fact that God's plan for his people is from eternity. The word adoption here is a Roman concept And not Jewish, and and Paul uses it well to indicate that an adopted son has his position by grace and not by right. We have all the blessings of God's inheritance given to us. We are secure in the blessings of God because of His grace. The Greek word for grace, charis, is found 156 times in the New Testament. And 102 times it is Apostle Paul who uses it. What does the word mean? Well, there are a variety of dimensions. Essentially, grace is unmerited love and favour. In the Christian context, it is God's unmerited love and favour demonstrated in and experienced through Jesus Christ. Some of you know the little acrostic defining grace as God's riches at Christ's expense. And that's not a bad definition. What stood out in Paul's mind is that God treated him with incredible kindness, even though he no way deserved it. That's Paul's desire in pointing out his spiritual blessing to us. All of life is extra. In Christ we can learn to rest in our relationship to him. In Christ we are secure because we are in the beloved. We are truly in Christ. Some translations say we are accepted in the beloved. The point is that we are his. We are in Jesus. Therefore we are secure. Our security rests on our relationship. It was God's will to choose us. He called us in order to adopt us as his sons and daughters. We are told that this is his will. In other words, God has given us what we do not deserve. He has freely bestowed on us his grace and made us part of his family. No wonder God could say, Behold what manner of love the Father had bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. God loves me. He has accepted me. And the same is true for you. He loves you and he accepted you. There is nothing you can do for God to love you more. There is is also nothing you can do for God to love you less. God doesn't change you so that he can love you. He loves you in order to change you. It is his love that changes you. Surrender to that love. Bask in it rest in your relationship in Jesus in Christ we are secure in Christ we are accepted what a powerful passage in Christ we are significant in Christ we are sufficient and in Christ we are secure we can say in another way in Christ we are righteous in Christ we are rich in Christ we are received we are saints So learn to realise your righteousness. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing, so learn to rely on your resources. You are accepted in the beloved, so learn to rest in your relationship with him. It seems such a shame, uh, like such a shame that people could be unaware of their rightful treasures. Yet this is precisely the condition of many Christians who live without taking advantage of God's promises of peace, strength, comfort, wisdom, love and many other spiritual treasures to which all the heirs of God are entitled. What treasures might God be holding in trust for you to claim? Remember what Jesus said about the importance of knowing the truth. You can't behave right unless you believe right. Proverbs 23, verse 7 says that as a person thinks within himself, so he is. If you believe what the devil says about you, you will fail. You probably will not even try. If you live based on what others say about you, you may or may not be any better off. It depends on whom you talk to. But if you live based upon God says you are, then you can hold your head up high. You are somebody because somebody lives in you. In Christ you have all you will ever need. And in Christ you are totally secure. Nobody, nothing can ever take that away from you. Amen. Amen.